I have two wonderful children who keep me very busy. Um, I say wonderful. They are 90% wonderful and then 10% absolute terrors. But I think that's the same as any parent. And I got in contact with you guys um, about napping. Because essentially I find myself very tired a lot of the time. You're listening to How To, the show where people tell us their problems and we find the perfect experts to help solve them. I'm Amanda Ripley. Rob, what time is it there? It is about five past seven. Okay. Yeah, so it's not late by normal people standards, <laughs> but by a father of two young children standards, this is like midnight. This is Rob from the UK. And like a lot of us, he could use more sleep. I have to ask you, Rob, how are you feeling right now? Right now, so w- this is a weird day. Like after months of sleeping well, our 14 month old last night just decided, I think he knew this recording was coming. And last night he decided to wake up every 10 minutes until 2 a.m. And it was just a really rough night. So I actually ended up having a nap this afternoon. And true to form, I woke up and I, I felt terrible after the nap. I feel okay now. But after the nap, I felt absolutely horrific. I kind of regretted the nap immediately after having it. But then before it, there was nothing I could do to stop myself. Rob is trapped in the nap conundrum that so many of us have experienced. You're too tired to stay awake, but you feel worse if you take a nap. Either way, you're not the person you really want to be for a good chunk of the day. And other people suffer for it. My usual parenting style is a high energy style. So... I'm the one in the playground who's playing hide-and-seek with the kids. I'm the one playing tag. If there's a bouncy castle, I'm on there with them. And then it'll hit like 5, 6 p.m. And just my body is out of energy. And then I feel really guilty because I'm out of energy. I can't run around with the kids. Mm. I feel bad for them because they just want to play. And then on the weekends, if I'm over at sort of like the grandparents' house and they can look after the kids for a bit, I will have a nap. And then after that, I just feel even more horrible and then that screws you up for the whole next day. So it's just, it. I feel like I'm just in mm. between a rock and a hard place where no matter what I do, something has to take a hit. Which is why we asked Dr. Sarah Mednick to come on the show. I'm a professor at University of California, Irvine. I have a seven-bedroom sleep lab where I study what are the brain mechanisms that are active during sleeping, daytime sleep, naps, and nighttime sleep that help us learn new things and help us become smarter and more creative and more alert. That's great. I want to I want to stay in a sleep lab. Is that an option? Is there like a spa? Yes. You can, even, you can get paid, actually. Um, <laughs> if you, Especially if you're in a certain age range of women, I'm really interested in midlife oh, women to come in. Oh, this is me. Have oh my them gosh. Sleep. Sign me up. <laughs> is this you too? Like, you want to go on vacation to a sleep laboratory? On today's show, how to take the perfect nap and when not to. Turns out for a lot of people, a few winks in the middle of the day can actually make things worse. In that case, we'll share other ways to recharge your batteries, totally liberated from the nap conundrum. Don't sleep on this episode. It may just change your life. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. 
The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When Dr. Sarah Mednick first started studying sleep at Harvard 20 years ago, the conventional wisdom was that you had to get at least six to eight hours of sleep at night. But Sarah knew there was more to it than that, just from watching her own dad. He would just nap every day, wake up, feel amazing, and then be present for the rest of the day. And it made me think, like, what the hell is he doing differently that, that, you know, that, than all this other research? So that's why I started doing the nap research. And then I was sitting there falling asleep at my desk. I thought, well, maybe I should try this. But naps didn't come naturally to Sarah. She tended to just push through the drowsiness, working crazy hours at her research lab. And then one day, she discovered what she calls a life-changing couch. There was this super gross couch in the, in the grad school, um, my, in my friend's office. It was old. It was threadbare. You had this feeling that many people had sat on it for <laughs> many years. And these kind of scientists who are not necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say they're not into hygiene, but it's not a big part of their lives. And so it's not a priority. It's not a priority. <laughs> yes. And I was exhausted, right? And and just working when you do sleep research, you do really long, long hours. And I would be falling asleep at my desk. And so then I would sort of creep into his office and say, Don't tell anyone. Um, I'm gonna take a nap. And then he would wake me up and then Super yeah, ironic. right. Exactly. <laughs> but then once the paper was published and it got into this big journal and we got all sorts of attention, then suddenly everybody started using the couch and it basically became like the community nap couch and everyone started napping proudly for their own reasons. You know, it's, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's the same thing as being drunk. There's a study yeah. that compared sleep deprivation to alcohol levels and showed that, you know, with 24 hours of sleep deprivation, you're above the blood alcohol level for driving, right? In terms of impairment oh, in thinking and processing. Yeah, we need to celebrate right, the nap. Right, right. Celebrate the celebrate nap. Celebrate the nap. Sign of strength. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you want to have a phrase for it, so like sleep like a baby, rock like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> wake like a boss. Sleep like I a like baby, that. wake like a boss. That's going to be it. You know, you know, bosses are big nappers. 
That's actually true. A lot of CEOs swear by the power nap, and so did Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, Eleanor Roosevelt, JFK. Nobody thinks of these people as lazy, right? And that leads us to our first insight. We gotta change the narrative around napping. If you do it right, it can make you smarter, stronger, faster. At the time, this was kind of a groundbreaking idea. And then I started getting phone calls and emails from people saying, are you kidding me? Napping makes me feel just like it makes Rob feel. Like I feel like crap when I wake up and it takes me like an hour and a half to get over these naps. And I thought, what is going on here? It all goes back to our circadian rhythms and brain waves. You know, if you wanted to think about a brain state that was 180 degrees different than waking, it would be slow wave sleep. Your brain is operating at a very slow, um, synchronized rhythm where the whole brain is kind of going on and off and uh, literally turning on and off. And then if you try to wake up from that, which is exactly what Rob did, he took a nap about 40 minutes in, he tried to wake up and he was probably waking up from this deep, slow wave sleep. It's really hard to wake up into this multitasking world where you have to be present and, uh, you know, thinking fast. And it's, you know, like waking up from a coma. Like it feels like all the energy you might have got back, you're using just to get out of the nap and get back into the real world. The way sleep works is you have a sleep cycle that lasts about 90 minutes. And um, between zero and 20 to 30 minutes is what we call stage two sleep. And that's what the power nap is. And it's a very safe kind of a sleep because you don't get into that deep, heavy sleep. And it's really good for just kind of hitting the reset button and getting alert. If you go between 30 to 60 minutes, that's when you're going into this deep, slow wave sleep. And it's incredibly good for regeneration and replenishing resources and uh, memory processing, but it's very hard to wake up from, right? It's, it's, the, it's the deepest form of sleep. Then between 60 and 90 minutes, you'll get into rapid eye movement or REM sleep, and that's a very light form of sleep. You have a little burst of cortisol, and um, so you're, it's like, it's kind of the, the right kind of sleep to wake up from. So if you were going to try napping, and uh, you might want to either nap up to 20 minutes or past 60 minutes. That's so interesting. Mm. So I've, just so I've got this right, so I've, I've written it up. Zero to 30 is a safe space. That's sort of like a quick power nap. Then you've got the 30 to 60, which is where you're going deep and sort of like you really don't want to pull someone out from that. And then 60 to 90 is sort of like a sleep light, diet sleep, if you will. That's and right. you can pull yourself out of that more easily. Say for you, if you're waking up, say at like 6, 6.30, you might want to get to take a nap at like 12.30 um, or 1 and not try to start sleeping 2 or 3 or 4 because that's really going to um, dip into your slow wave sleep needs mm. and your sleep pressure. Rob, have you tried taking a nap earlier in the day? No, I haven't. Just because of the way the day pans out, it's always like two till half three or three till half four. And like when you've mm -hmm. laid it out like that really clearly, it's obvious. Like, of course, that's why I'm not like be able to sleep at night because I'm having this chunky nap. Yeah, that's exactly right. Fun fact I learned from Sarah's book. 
The word siesta, the daily nap famous in Spain and other countries, actually comes from the Latin word sexta, which refers to the sixth hour after dawn, right around noon. That's the time of day ancient Romans decided they needed a nap, usually only 20 to 30 minutes. So why wouldn't we do the same thing? I really struggle with short naps. This is one of the questions I wanted to ask about, which is I struggle to get to sleep quickly. So if I put aside, like hypothetically, if I put aside an hour for sleeping, it would take me probably half an hour to get to sleep. That half hour feels a bit wasted because I'm not sleeping to get energy back. I'm just lying down trying to force myself to get to sleep. So there's two things I would say. The first is our circadian rhythms are constantly looking for some sort of regularity in our day to latch on to. So if you try to, say, take a nap at one o'clock um, every day and you just laid down, eventually your body would say, okay, this is obviously nap time, right? And and so now and, and it, it, you'd get to sleep faster. But the other aspect of it is that for the first couple of stages of sleep, stage one and stage two, you don't really know if you're sleeping or not. Um, and so it may feel like you may not really lose full consciousness, but you still would be getting the benefits of stage two sleep. So Sarah, just to clarify, are you saying that if I lay down or Rob lays down at one o'clock and they're not, we're not really asleep and then one thirty comes, our alarm goes off um, and we get up, can that actually be helpful to us? Absolutely. Yeah. So so the research I did um, early on was showing that if you just continue to try to do the same work across the whole day, what I found was that people's performance just deteriorated across the day, no matter what. Even if I offered them more money, I tried to motivate them. Um, but if I gave them a nap or I gave them just time like had them take themselves out of the game and, you know, try to go to sleep, their performance didn't deteriorate. So here's the next tip. Try to take shorter naps earlier in the day at roughly the same time. Even if you think you didn't sleep, you very well might have. And if you don't feel better after a few weeks, well, that's okay. You just might not be a napper. So we did a research study looking at people who love naps and people who hate naps. And we tried to get first a sense of are the people who hate naps getting the same cognitive benefits out of naps as people who love naps. And it turns out that they're not. They they don't show the same um, hmm. memory improvements as people who love naps. And... Um, and they don't feel as alert. They never got anything out of the nap. Um, and, and I think it's, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, having written this book, oh, we should all be napping and anyone can become a napper. And then to do this, we're just like, well, maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I mean, I did not know that there were, for some people, naps really, truly don't help. It's not that you're doing it wrong, necessarily. It's not that you're not used to it's it. That it's that it may it's be bad for you. It's not that you have a bad you. attitude. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, it may be that this is really not part of your circadian rhythm, but it may be that there are some... Um, sort of genetic predispositions that allow you to sleep in the middle of a day and others that don't. So how does Rob figure out if he's meant to nap? I'm so glad you asked that, Amanda. That's number one on my list of questions that I've written down in front of me. <laughs> I mean, I think that if if you are going through the different options, right, of try a shorter nap, try a nap earlier in the day, try a longer nap. And if each time you just think, 
nothing has worked. I think at that point, you can really say, I'm a bona fide non-napper, you know, that, that this is not working for me. So you do a little sort of at-home mini sleep lab, you experiment, experiment. try yeah. sleep and earlier, see, sleep less, yeah. see how you feel. All right. Um, and then you may be, like, what percentage of the population do we know is just not meant to nap? It's between like 40 to 50% of people are nappers, and then the rest are not. So what then? What if you're in the roughly 50% of people who are just not natural nappers? Don't worry. Turns out there's such a thing as the no-sleep nap. When we come back, Sarah will tell us all about the hidden power of the downstate. Don't nod off just yet. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with Dr. Sarah Mednick, author of Take a Nap, Change Your Life, and our sleep-deprived listener, Rob, who wants to find more energy for his kids at the end of a long day. I was just thinking that, of course, all this actually, there's another person Mm. at the end of all this, Mm -hmm. which after the kids have gone to bed, it's finally time for me and my wife. And of course, after work has sapped me, after the kids have drained those final few ounces of golden energy, my wife and I are left with just very little energy. Yeah, I mean, that is that is so typical for parents in particular. You know, you give a lot to your job and then you give the second amount to your kids. And we have these systems that require upstates where we have all of our energy and we're using all of our resources and we need all the glucose and ATP and all of the uh, cortisol, right, stress hormones. And so in order to be able to be ready For the next upstate, you need to have a period where you're replenishing all those resources. That replenishing process happens in these periods I call the downstate. And and you can find downstates not just at night, not just during sleep, but also any time where you really step away from that intense activity to go internal and, you know, either take a walk, be in nature, do deep breathing... No, that makes sense. So you're saying we what goes up must come down. And one very sort of primal 
way to get that downstate is through sleep. Um, but there are other ways to replenish. And you mentioned, you know, exercise, meditation, deep breathing. Um, Robert, are, are there things that you're able to do during the day to kind of recover in addition to sleep? Um, well, I haven't really tried many things. I mean, if I could do this, getting the energy back without needing to sleep, that would be fantastic. Because if I could do that, then not only would my kids benefit, but my employer would benefit because I'd have more energy through the day and that'd be amazing. Right. And 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 there's so many things that we can be doing. Um, so meditative deep breathing is amazingly important because it is switching the dominance of your autonomic system from that fight or flight sympathetic dominant to parasympathetic dominant, that rest and digest. So even just taking 10 minutes, and there's tons of apps now that help you with boosting your heart rate variability, taking 10 minutes out of your day and just stopping and giving yourself that time, you're already doing the regenerative work. If naps don't work, actually getting out into nature, taking a walk, going to a park, um, even though it seems like, but that's going to take so much more energy, it actually gives you energy. That taking a walk in nature is easy for me. I live in um, a quintessential English countryside village. So taking a walk in nature for me is literally walking out the front door. So yeah. that's, and doing, that's but, but And doing it before you're exhausted. You know, doing it as a, like, okay, I'm feeling great. This is actually a great time for me to take a 15-minute oh, walk. Really? So preventative measure. I always wait till yeah, I'm just absolutely. Like, like, I just cannot function anymore. <laughs> like, but at that at that point, it's almost like you're asking nature to do a little yeah. too much, right? Because at, you know, that, then then you're sort of expecting the world. But if you just sort of say, okay, before I start to tank, I'm going to take myself out and do something good for myself. So then I come back, I'm going to be at my peak, right? Just you don't want to run yourself down because at that point, it's very hard to pick yourself back up again. Here's a way to nap without napping at all. Go for a walk outside. The more trees around you, the better. Even just 15 minutes can do wonders. And you can even incorporate some deep breathing and meditation at the same time. Okay, Sarah, can I ask you to walk Rob through the walk? Like, what would that sound like in his own head? Like, how do you do this all right. while walking? Yeah, let's walk the walk. The most important thing is to put your phone away. Okay. Um, and then it is to start doing deep breathing. Um, as you're walking, feel the ground under your shoes. Don't try to walk quickly. Uh, walk slowly so that you can hear the sounds all around you. Try to listen for new sounds. Try to think of how is the landscape different than it was last time I was here? Is there any new growth? Do you see any birds? How is the light hitting the trees? It's about really being present in the moment in nature and letting that awe take over and, and feed you. There's literally phytochemicals that come from nature. So there is a communion with the trees, but any kind of mindfulness experience is a good experience, right? Any kind of stepping out of the worries of the day and just being present is a really great thing to do. Right. There was a great study where um, the researcher was comparing the crime rates and trust levels in two public housing projects, I 
think in Chicago that were very similar to each other in, in many ways. And she could not isolate what was causing the difference in sort of quality of life. And it turned out it was the presence mm-hmm. of trees was the only factor that was <laughs> that, that they could isolate um, because one public housing project had mm-hmm. trees around it and the other didn't. Um, I wonder, do you have a sort of scheme or um, play-by-play for deep breathing that we could Yeah, try? so... Um, we have these inherent rhythms to our respiratory rates and our heart rate. And if your breathing rate is slow enough and your heart rate is slow enough that they're in sync, you're going to be taking in as much oxygen as possible with every breath. Can you can you demonstrate that, Sarah? And Rob and I okay. are going to try okay. it. So the, the point is to try a six-count breath in and a six count breath out, um, five to six. And so you can start with five. So we can just start with an inhale of five seconds. And then an exhale of five seconds. Rob, you dig in this? Am I supposed to breathe in again? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just breathed out. I was waiting for the breathe in again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I was really impressed by Amanda. I was like, how is... <laughs> All right, I'm going to try that again. Okay, right. Okay, let's try it again. So so we're going to inhale for... Let's just try for five seconds. Inhale and then exhale for five seconds and then do another inhale. Exhale. And inhale. And exhale. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah, if you find yourself sitting at a computer, doing email, driving, making dinner, you can engage with that kind of breathing. There's something called email apnea, where people literally, they open their emails and they stop breathing. And, and, you know, you're disconnecting, you're, you're literally stopping the, the most restorative part of your body, which is your deep breathing, because, because a steady breath tells your mind that you're okay, that you're calm, everything's fine. So email apnea, I love this phrase. I've definitely done this. And it's, is it your body is trying to sort out if the email it's stress. is a yes, threat? It's stress. Like, <laughs> it's like, what am I doing wrong? Which, by the way, many yes, emails are. Like what it, um. Yeah, what have I not done correctly? You know, what, what is on my, what's on my to-do list? What are all the things that I'm, I'm missing out on? You know, all those things that take your mm. breath away, literally. So your, your primal brain is scanning the email for threats, and you're saying we can use our more evolved parts of our brain to breathe intentionally to tell our brains yes, that it's okay. Like, exactly. This is not a threat. And the breathing definitely mm-hmm. helped me. Like I felt mm-hmm. so relaxed after that. And I feel, I felt a little bit like an idiot afterwards though, not because of the breathing, like the breathing was great, but that's exactly how I get my daughter to calm down when she's stressed herself out. And she's like, just, I can't understand what she's saying. Cause she's trying to talk through tears. I get her to right. breathe slowly. How if we treated ourselves a little more like we treat our kids, we would have way more energy. Consistent nap times, breathing deeply, eating more fruits and vegetables. 
you know, you would not shove like some sort of bunch of fried food and candy in their face. But like when we're tired, that's the first thing we reach for. And it's interesting because why are we reaching for high fat, high sugar foods? Because when you're sleep deprived, your body is in a fight or flight mode. It thinks, what's wrong? Why am I not sleeping? There's an emergency. I need energy. And so you naturally crave foods that look like they will help you get quick energy. So those are the foods we go to when our brain thinks we're preparing for like a steel cage match with yes. a tiger. So we need some fast yeah. carbs. And then in fact, we're just doing email. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is another insight. When your brain is tired, it makes mistakes. It assumes you need candy in order to escape a threat. When really what you need to do is breathe or take a walk or eat real food. They need to be foods that are pretty natural, don't have a lot of preservatives, don't have a lot of added sugars, and that, you know, you might need to have some stock in the fridge of sort of, you know, cut up fruit or cut up vegetables, um, and then bring out some cheese and cut that up or, you know, and make like a little box to go. Again, the same thing we do for our kids. I must say, yeah, exactly. I can do this with my kids. Like it can be the morning thing that I yeah, make their right. food with them for lunch. They can make mine with me. It can be, it can be more than just getting energy back. It can be real family time. Now, you might be wondering, this is all well and good, but what about my triple shot of espresso? Can't I just skip the walk and the veggies and rely on caffeine to boost my energy? Well, yes and no. I mean, we don't need caffeine. The reason why we drink caffeine in the morning isn't because when we wake up, we're tired. It's because we wake up, we're in withdrawal from caffeine, right? We've just slept the whole night. It's the, it's the least moment where we actually should have caffeine. Um, it's the time that we should be most well rested. But instead, because we've gotten our circadian rhythm used to having caffeine in the morning, we have, and we haven't had it since the day before, we're in withdrawal. And so we have the caffeine, but it's not because we actually need it. Oh, and that's why that hmm. first cup of tea in the morning always felt so good. Cause it's, yeah. it's basically a drug addiction. You're getting back yeah. onto the, the drugs. So I, speaking for those of us who do require two cups of coffee every morning i'm feeling threatened <laughs> so i'm breathing breathing in for I know, five i know I, I mean i'm breathing out for five <laughs> I, i'm still drinking it um but i do know i don't need it okay don't panic you don't need to quit coffee right away i know i won't and you're not going to fix all of this overnight but you could start with baby steps a walk in the woods here a 20 minute power nap there deep breathing while you're checking email today and when that fails, which it will on some days, go easy on yourself. I probably need to accept that sometimes I'm still going to be tired. There are going to be days yeah. where there's just going to be a lot going on and it's okay to be tired. And just say like, oh, you know what? Tomorrow's another day. This wasn't, this wasn't one of those great days. And, you know, and did I look, there's a downstate checklist in my book and it's really like, did I get a hug from somebody who I care about? Did I spend any time in nature? You know, have I done my deep breathing? Like just be gentle with yourself and that those bad days will also happen, but that you will have sort of a list of things you can do that are free and easy. Um, and they come with just being human. I like that. I like the downstate checklist. 
That seems helpful. And you shattered some of my own myths about sleeping. So I really appreciate it. And, and Rob, thank you so much for sharing yeah, thanks your so precious much, evening time with us. You managed <laughs> to stay awake, I think. Are you there? Are you there? I, I am. I am just about <laughs> still here. I'm going to go and have the mother of all naps now. Oh, oh excellent. That's awesome. Thanks to Rob for sharing his sleep struggles with us and to Sarah Mednick for all her fascinating advice. Check out her book, Take a Nap, Change Your Life, and keep an eye out for her new book out next spring, The Hidden Power of the Downstate. And we'll include a link to Sarah's website where you can use her nap wheel to calculate the perfect time for a quick rest. Do you have a problem that needs solving? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. Here's what Sarah from Pensacola, Florida had to say about last week's episode on making friends when you're an adult. This is a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. Um, I recently moved to Pensacola after staying in my hometown, um, after college, and it was really intimidating to try to make new friends because I didn't know anyone in this area except for my husband and his family. Uh, So when I was really struggling to make friends, I remembered some advice that my grandmother gave to me when I was younger. Uh, She was excellent at making and maintaining friendships, and her advice was, if you want to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And I heard so much of that echoed in the advice that was given um, in the episode. So thank you so much for encouraging me to continue trying to make uh, meaningful and fulfilling friendships. And thanks for all the work you do. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sarah. And for everyone else, please reach out to us. We love to hear your advice and your grandmother's advice. That's the best kind of advice. If you want to keep supporting our work in other ways, you should think about becoming a member of Slate Plus. Right now, we've got a special deal to mark Slate's 25th anniversary. For a limited time, you'll get $25 off our annual membership. As a Slate Plus member, you'll never hear another ad on any of our podcasts. And you'll get tons of member exclusives, like extra episodes of Slow Burn and Political Gabfest. To help us be here for another 25 years, join Slate Plus now. You can sign up at slate.com slash howtoplus. Again, through October 31st, we've got this special deal, $25 off an annual membership. So go to slate.com slash howtoplus. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley, and I'm off to go take a nap. <laughs>